Whenever I find myself doing that, I always follow this rule. Put the thing that you're asking for, if it's an ask or the conclusion or whatever it is, the point of your email or your memo, put it first. And I mean, literally first, the very first sentence before you say how you're doing. Greetings, friends. I'm James. And I'm Randy. You're listening to the Passionately Wrong Podcast, where we challenge your assumptions, offer some different perspectives, and hopefully help you make better decisions. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, clear business writing. And uh, I know, James, you wrote an article on this, so I'll let you start. But I, I don't have, a. I, I'll just um, say that I don't have a lot of uh, experience with clear business writing, but the Army did send me some writing schools. So I, I know about the Army writing style, and I think some of that probably parallels what you're going to discuss. But go ahead. Yeah, I think over the course of our episodes, I've been struck several times about how many really clear overlaps and similarities there are between what I thought of as the business world approach and what you're describing as the military approach. And I suspect there's going to be overlaps here as well, because actually writing clearly is not something that is in any way limited to a domain. And by that, I mean simply Governments need to write clearly. Businesses need to write clearly. Companies that are trying to promote and sell products to the public need to write clearly. And so while I have described these as rules for clear business writing, I hope they're generalizable enough that people will find, oh, yeah, I can apply this in my private life as well when I write a letter to my landlord or honestly, any kind of writing. So. First of all, why is it important? Maybe I would say I view communication between people as one of the most fraught areas of human interaction. It's really hard to be clear and to make yourself understood. It's also really hard to understand what other people are saying. There's a whole bunch of reasons for that. We have a hard time listening. We have a hard time paying attention. We're emotional. We come with all sorts of biases and judgments, which makes effective communication difficult. I spent years in my professional role trying to improve how to communicate. And that's because I worked in a global multinational. I had tens of thousands of employees around the world that I was responsible for communicating guidance to. I wanted uh, and we needed as a company to just at a basic level, make sure employees followed the rules and the laws which meant, okay, you needed to understand what they are. Sometimes it's obvious and clear, but other times it's not so clear. You just need to be explained, okay, do this, don't do this. And I mostly communicated that guidance in written form. So we'd create a guideline and make it as simple and clear and as understandable as possible. And then depending on the topic, if it had to go out really to all employees, it had to be translated into all the languages. I only ever focused on preparing guidance in English. We talked a while back in our intro episode about all the language we studied. I didn't get a chance to say then that as much as I love learning and studying foreign languages, I actually also hate them because I could never be as expressive or as clear in a foreign language as I thought I could be in English. And because of my experience writing these guidelines and trying to communicate to employees all over the world, I really became fanatical about how do I really communicate well in the English language. So anyway, all that's a long way of saying 
it's just a way to make yourself understood and to have connections with other people. And I think there's some simple tips and tricks to improve the quality of your writing. Let me ask, so, stop there and ask if that makes sense or if you want to add anything before I get into the rules. No, no, it makes complete sense. And I think we'll find, uh, uh, we found in some of our previous episodes and probably in some of our episodes we're going to have that there's a common link between communication and a lot of things that we're discussing about how not to be passionately wrong. You know, you, you have to be able to communicate, you have to be able to understand, you have to be able to ask questions so that the person who's telling you what you can and cannot do, for instance, or needs to clarify. And, and so if you can write, whether it's for business, military, or whatever, if you can write clearly your intent and the ref, left and right limits is what we say in the military, which is you have to have left and right limits on a range, for instance, uh, so you don't shoot people outside those limits. Um, the the left and right limits, then then you'll be the, hopefully there'll be less questions and it'll be more efficient by you know getting your point across the first time. Yeah, I appreciate that you made the link between good communication, which includes good writing, and better decision making. I think that is a very a good reason to pay attention to being able to communicate well, write well. So when I was preparing the tips, I'm going to describe briefly now, and then we can go over them to make sure that they make sense. I was reading Machiavelli's The Prince again for another purpose, as you as one does. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of people know the expression that comes from that work. It is better to be feared than loved. And that taken out of context uh, all the time, but he was talking about uh, the conditions under which it's easier for a ruler to maintain power. Not important here. Um, it's just that formulation he was using, it's better to be feared than loved. That's a really readable book, by the way. He communicates uh, complex principles of political maneuvering and maintaining power uh, and dealing with challengers with memorable phrases. And I used his phraseology to describe my rules. So my first rule is it is better to be understood than complete. And by that, I mean, if you write the most detailed, wonderful, complete explanation of a topic that the world has ever seen, it doesn't do you any good if people don't understand it. So the specific lesson is shorter is better. And a short, simple guidance that people can understand is preferable to a thorough, complete one. So uh, if I want to translate this into military speak, um, a lot of um, commanders will, when they take over a unit, they'll give their um, kind of uh, their commander's intent. And I've found, I've received a bunch of them because commanders usually change out every two years or so. Uh, and I've found that the ones that can get their intent down to a sentence, like that, that they can always frame whenever they give a speech to us or whenever someone is, you know, you're correcting someone is like, remember, you know, short is sweet or, you know, whatever their intent sentence is, you can always reinforce it if it's short and sweet, for instance. Um, and then the other uh, and then the ones that wanted to write a paragraph to describe over and over all and they had like a 20 point commander's intent that no one can remember. Uh, those are the ones that were less effective in my opinion. And then the other part of that would be, I went to the Sergeant major Academy. I, I, I retired as a Sergeant major, which is the senior most uh, enlisted rank. And the Sergeant major Academy is a one-year course about professional leadership. Uh, 
and um, in the army. And uh, they, 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 one of the things they teach and they teach it in other parts along the army, but we have like a, a long period of two or four days on this thing, which is how to write efficiently. And one of the pieces of it, and this goes back to writing simply is, Hey, you as a senior enlisted person are going to be writing, you know, clearly writing documents or, or advising the commander to write documents for the whole force of all different levels of education and reading ability. And therefore you need to write simply so that they can understand it, which means you need to really think about the difficult words that they not be, they won't be familiar with and, and maybe write them in a more simple way. And one of the ways they, they wanted you to do that was only 20% of the words in your one page document, because they wanted you to keep it down to a page if possible. Only 20% of the words could be what they considered long words, which would be above three syllables. And so they actually made you count the words. It's easier now with word, but back then you actually had to go one, two, three, four, count the words, you know, to multiply by 0.2 and say, all right, so I can only have eight, 10 words in here that are longer than three syllables. And that didn't include, if it ended in ED or ING, then it could be four syllables. And uh, so they actually, that was a, you know, when we were, we had to write, they say, okay, write a, um, write a, 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 a discourse about whatever safety and you could write whatever you wanted have to be a page long i was like okay make sure it follows the the rules of simplicity that we've given you and and the the first one was less than 20 percent of the words are three syllables and that was a you know when i was doing it i was like this is really dumb but then as i started implementing it i was like this is really smart i mean it's it's obviously 20% 20% is a round word and some there's some long words that are, everyone knows how to use. So it doesn't matter if you use them or not. But if you take that in consideration, like, is this word going to be understood by E1 private barely out of high school? Is he going to know what I'm saying? Or can I say it in a more simple way? And advising my commander who might've been to Harvard or Yale or some other Ivy League school and is always talking in words that I don't even understand. Uh, hey, sir, maybe we rewrite this. He's like, well, I want to sound smart. I was like, yeah, but you can sound smart or you can actually talk to the men, whichever you want to do. But I think we should talk to the men. It's actually funny that you use the expression, I want to sound smart. The title of the article that I wrote with these tips is The Day You Became Smarter. And the point of it is people actually think you are a better communicator. They think you're smarter if they understand what you're saying. It's not the person who uses long uh, complex words. It's the person who can simply clearly communicate. When you say, oh, I understand exactly what Randy means. They think you're a good communicator. They think you're smarter. The person who uh, confuses you with long words, uh, you might think they're intellectual, but you don't necessarily respect them uh, as a leader. You don't necessarily, they don't get what they need out of you. So anyway, I support your point. I like the idea of commander's intent. Sorry, you were going to add something, Randy. Yeah. So one of the best examples that I have in my life about speaking, uh, you know, speaking so that you're understood goes back to we, we've talked about our language uh, experiences. But I was in a station in Colombia and the ambassador there would always get interviewed. The American ambassador to Colombia would always get interviewed. And so I'd be driving to work 
and I'd hear him on the radio. And he, I'm sure he spoke fantastic Spanish. Um, he went to DLI, which is in California, a year-long Spanish school for State Department people. And he pro- he had a lot of experience probably in other countries. And he could probably have a conversation with the president of Colombia, just like the real buddies, not a, no problem, maybe not even a trace of an accent. However, he knew his audience when he's talking on the radio. And when he talked on the radio, and I never talked, I heard him talk Spanish any other time. I wasn't like a close buddy of him or anything like that. So I only heard him on the radio. But when he talked in radio, first of all, he talked Spanish slowly. He articulated every word, which people who normally speak Spanish do not. Uh, they speak fast and sometimes they'll slur words together and things like that. And he's, he articulated every word. He's like, yo soy el embajador de Estados Unidos. And he would talk like that. And he also had a very particular voice. So he was, you could identify him. So when he spoke on the radio, everyone knew who it was. After the first six months, when he talked on the radio, like numerous times, everyone knew who it was. They could hear when they heard him speak, they knew the ambassador of the United States was speaking. But I tried, I was always trying to keep up with my other people I was speaking to in Colombia. And I was always, and people were like, I can't understand what you're saying. I always had to slow down. Once I heard him speak and I knew, I knew he spoke a lot better Spanish than I ever will. And, and I, and I heard him speak like that and everyone understood him. And I was in the car with a, a couple of Colombians once. It's like the ambassador speaks so funny. I, his Spanish is, is not really good. And I was like, but you understand it, right? You understand everything he's saying. He's like, yeah. I was like, then I would say it's good, right? He under, you understand everything he's saying. I was like, well, I guess if, I mean, but he doesn't speak like us. It's like, yeah, but he knows the words he's using. He's speaking to everybody and you all understand exactly what he's saying. Do you ever have any problem understanding what he's saying? He's like, no, I never do. It was like, and then at that moment it clicked and I was like, that's the way I need to speak Spanish. And I did from then on. And I, I said, that's the way I need to speak all my languages uh, if I really want to be understood. I love words. So I am challenged sometimes with speaking simply because I like to use a fancy word when a simple one will do. But actually, to be a good communicator, the simple word is always preferable. Um, If it doesn't bother some of our listeners, I'll point out another person who really took this lesson to heart. And that is, I remember when Donald Trump entered the presidential race and he was starting to give speeches and people were ridiculing him saying, ah, look at that buffoon. He speaks at a fourth grade level. You know, they were comparing the, the the quality of or the complexity of the different candidates' speeches. And I said, yes, exactly. <laughs> he uses words like very, very good or very, very bad. And a fourth grader can understand what he's saying. And that's the point. Everybody understands him. They may not like him, but it's never the issue that they go away saying, I don't know what that guy was talking about uh, or what he was saying. So just to finish up on point one, or we'll never get through the other points. <laughs> The reason it works, Randy, is something you said just a moment ago. You've got to understand your audience. Your audience is everyone else, and everyone else is always attention-deprived. They're not paying attention to you. They have a very limited amount of time to devote to you. The more you can quickly get to the point and simply get to the point, that's why it works. It's not because people are dumb. It's just because their attention span is limited. So point one, it's better to be understood than complete. Point two is related to it, and it also has to do very much with understanding your audience. Uh, And I described it as it's better to be kind than precise. And being kind means understanding what does your audience actually need. You might have spent 
three years getting a master's degree in history and really want to discuss a topic in gory, beautiful detail because you know a ton of issues. But if really all your audience needs to understand is the takeaway and you can describe it in 30 seconds, give them the takeaway, give them what they need and then move on. So it's a challenge particularly for experts. When you get knowledgeable about a topic, you want to talk about what you know, uh, but it's not what you know, it's what your audience needs to know. So good communication focuses on just what your audience, uh, your reader or your listener needs to know. So uh, I'm a book coach. Uh, so I help authors write more compelling stories, uh, nonfiction and fiction. And one of the things I focus on is, you know, what is your point? You know your one point for what you're what you're writing about, and what are the pain points, especially for the nonfiction authors? What's the pain points of your audience? Like, why do they care? You know what? And then and then put yourself in their shoes. What kind of books are they reading? What podcasts are they listening to? What you know when they look at a newspaper? What parts do they skip to? You know what? You know what are their hobbies? Who who are these people? And what are they going to be interested in? that you're providing. And, and I think that goes to your point, you know, be, be specific with your audience and don't, you don't have to, and, and this is another thing about the military saying, Hey, your, your memos should be one page long. No one wants to flip the page. And, uh, and, and if you're, if you're flipping the page, you're probably got too much information in there that no one really cares about, or your audience, your specific audience doesn't. Related to that point. I'll come to number three, which I say it is better to be first than last. And by that, I am carrying on the theme, which is exactly what we've been describing. What does your audience need to know? What is your main point? Put the main point, even if it's your conclusion, first. Let people know right away, this is the answer. Then you can go through the description of, and here's the relevant facts, here's the analysis, here's how I arrived at the answer. That sounds backwards. And it is backwards in terms of how people think, particularly lawyers, right? We're answering difficult questions all the time. It's a complex analysis. Here's all the laws I looked at. Here's the analysis of the pros and cons. Here's, you know, the possibilities. And then now finally, here's my recommendation, my conclusion, et cetera. Your reader wants to know you did the work. Yes, fine, Randy. Thanks for that. But really, all they want to know is, this is the answer. And if you can put the answer first, your reader will appreciate what you've prepared for them that much more. The person who's really interested in understanding the details can go ahead and read them and say, all right, I want to see Randy's chain of thought and make sure that it's logical. The reader who just wants the answer gets the answer and they don't have to wade through even a single page of your memo. So I found probably this tip more than any other. And I apply this, by the way, in emails. I'll give you an example. If I want to ask somebody for something, I'll say, hey, how you doing? You know, I was coming back to our conversation last week, blah, 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 blah. You spend a paragraph, five, six sentences before you get to the point, which is, can we meet on Thursday? Whenever I find myself doing that, I always follow this rule. Put the thing that you're asking for, if it's an ask or the conclusion or whatever it is, the point of your email or your memo, put it first. And I mean, literally first, the very first sentence before you say, how you doing? I hope you're well, Randy, I'd like to meet on Thursday and then go through the next stuff. It, it just makes for, I have found a more effective method of communication. Uh, I, I agree. I agree completely. I think emails have 
uh, open that opportunity with your email heading, you know, being your your point. And also, uh, and the Army has a word for this, it's called the bluff, bottom line up front. Like and uh, and uh, a lot that basically most commanders, because they're inundated with a lot of emails from higher and lower, they're always like, hey, you know, they, the first thing they may do when they meet everyone is like, hey, I, when you send me a message, I want the bluff, like first line, like what the hell are we talking about so that I know how to prioritize it for my day. And um, and then uh, I personally, uh, whenever uh, I was writing anything. I learned it from the military and I still do it. I'm like, the purpose of this email is bam. And then I'll go into the history, you know, so that they can be interested or not interested after that. Email is a very special and important subset of communication, business communication and otherwise. Maybe we'll link it in the show notes today, but I've got a separate article setting out 10 tips for good email writing. Getting to the point right away with your first sentence using the email header or the description, uh, the ray line, whatever, is another excellent way to make efficient use of people's time. Um, But it's for this reason. Let people know right away what it's about. Make good use of their time. Two other tips. One of them is, well, okay, the, the next tip is simply this. I say it's better to be active than passive, and that's just pay attention to the method of writing that you're using. Always have uh, writing in the active voice simply means you have a a subject, a verb, and an object. It's a typical way that people think. John threw the ball, not the ball was thrown. It it helps people understand your writing when you write in a tangible way. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we do that in the military too, which is we we try to get rid of the helping verbs. And and you just, instead of saying he, he had thrown the ball or, you know, you, you just get straight to the, the active verb. And that's, that's usually a stronger sentence and it shortens everything down too. Right. And I'm not going to go through a lot of rules of grammar because that's not the point, but if you had to pick a single uh technique of writing, it would be to avoid using the active or sorry, the passive voice, always write in the active. And that gets us to the last point, which is I found despite spending a lot of time writing and a lot of time thinking about how to write better, I found at least for me, it was difficult to write everything correctly the first time through. So for any writing that was important, I would take time to edit it. So this is, it's better to edit than write perfectly. So I would write my email and then I would go through it and say, do I have the bluff in there? Have I put the most important thing first? And I I didn't try to fight how I did my first draft. I thought the way I thought, I wrote the way I wrote, but it was a matter of just a few seconds, a few minutes to fix it when I was done. Do I have passive voice in here that I can eliminate? Do I have too much detail that I can eliminate? Do I have to move my bottom point up? Do I have to fix my ray line? So I would have not an editing checklist, but really it was sort of like an editing checklist that I would go through to say, just here's three or four things that are important. Can I double check them? And that freed up a lot of uh, worry and mental effort trying to write it perfectly the first time. Don't worry about it. Write it however you write it and then just spend a few minutes trying to improve it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I never send, I try not to, unless I'm just super busy, I'll try not to say anything if I don't read it again. And um, back when I was in the military, it was very standard accepted uh, proce- uh, procedures to like give it to the guy standing next to you. Hey, read this. Is it messed up? And 
let them let them do some red marks on it and give it back to you. Um, so yeah, I agree. To, I agree completely. By the way, as much as I said I don't like writing and communicating in foreign languages, uh, I give I teach these tips to people who speak English as a second language, and they're great news for everyone who doesn't speak uh, a language and is trying to write in a language other than their native language. Why? Because it's shorter. You use simple words. You focus on just one key point. The best emails, the best communications are actually just a couple sentences long. And that's really great news because if you're speaking a foreign language, you don't need to be. It's like your ambassador, right? He probably knew a heck of a lot more than he said. And that should maybe be your takeaway from this. You'll know a heck of a lot more than you include in your email, in your memo, in your writing. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, the, I, I mean, this is how I write in Spanish. I always, and and it's also how I would uh, explain stuff in other languages because I don't know every vocabulary word from the dictionary in the other language. But if you learn, you know, a really good solid base of 500 words, you can pretty much talk about the, the round thing over that goes on top of the, you know, and you can talk your around, yourself around just about any situation without actually knowing, you know, what um, actually what the word is. And again, just to make the point, it's not a compromise. People actually think you're smarter when you communicate clearly to them because they think, oh, if that person can communicate clearly, they can also think clearly. So this is not a cop-out. This is actually your wonderful serendipitous path to good communication. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's follow our own guidance and keep this short and say thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope this helped. All right. See you guys later. Thanks. You've just listened to the Passionately Wrong podcast with James Bellergeau and Randy Searles. If you like this episode, follow us on your podcast platform or subscribe on YouTube. Join us each week to help you make better decisions by challenging your assumptions. And check out all our episodes at passionatelywrong.com.